Medic 43, District 1, Engine 51, Response, Cardiac Arrest. Hello, everyone. Welcome again to another edition of the MCHD Paramedic Podcast. This is Dr. Casey Patrick, and today I have a repeat special guest joining us on the podcast, one of our more popular past episodes, uh, talking about stupidity in EMS. We're lucky to have Chris Call joining us again from Pulsera. Thanks for joining us, Chris. Yeah, Dr. Casey, it's great to be on here. I had a blast last time. So today we're going to switch it up a little bit. We Again, we talked about stupidity last time, and I, I personally enjoyed putting that one together. This is a, li- a little bit of a, a similar similar bent, but we're going to talk less about things that we can improve on from the sense of clinical practice and sort of dovetail with how we survive in emergency medicine, EMS, uh, pre-hospital medical care. Talk about the term resiliency. And this is one, again, kind of clicking through uh, the internet and blogs. I found a source, uh, Gail Gazelle, uh, wrote an article talking about everyday resilience. And this list was directed toward emergency physicians, but realistically, looking at them, uh, everything on this list applies to EMS as well. And these are just some simple thoughts, methods uh, that will allow us, hopefully, to bypass burnout, uh, think a little bit more about the positive as opposed to the negative, and arrive at really what's everyone's goal in this, and that's fulfillment, you know, some happy medium of being content. So without too much more discussion, we'll kind of dive into number one. And number one is if this is not one that we see every single day and it should really be staring us in the face, uh, we're we must just not be looking. And that is life is short. And again, this is an easy one for us in emergency care, EMS, emergency medicine, pre-hospital medicine. It should be right on the front burner. We see this every single day. Uh, 35-year-old female, three kids, diagnosed last week with stage four cervical cancer. Um, You know, does this mean we want to live in anarchy? No, but work, live life, Take vacations, reward yourself within reason. Um, one of the uh, probably more impactful books that I've read in the past several years, I'm not sure, we not didn't talk beforehand about this, Chris, so I'm not sure if you've read Breath Becomes Air. I, I would bet that you probably have. Um, it's For those that haven't read it, we'll link it in the show notes, pick it up. It's relatively uh, life-changing uh, for me, and it's about a neurosurgeon who, in his training, Uh, found out that he had terminal uh, brain cancer, ironically. Um, And it's really about his story and his path through his treatment up through uh, his death. And one of the more stunning statements, very simple, but, you know, reread it over and over. Think about it often when I'm dealing with situations clinically that are strong and and powerful like this when, when young folks are or facing a terminal illness, or facing death, or talking with family members when, when, when especially younger folks have, have died. He's talking about his diagnosis, and, you know, as a physician, someone who's dealt with ter- terminal brain cancer intimately, you know, he said, that people talk often about, why me? And realistically, when you're thinking about things like this, and, and, and playing the odds, and, and realistically, luck, or, you know, unluckiness, 
he said, it really shouldn't be why me, but why not me? And that really was something that kind of made me turn it 180 and, and think about it from the standpoint of, you know, it, these things are random and they happen. And, you know, realistically, it could be in the cards for, for me as much as it was in the cards for him. So from, from a standpoint of we don't know how many days we have on this earth, uh, you know, appreciating the life that we have and appreciating uh, the ability we have for care for, to care for others, especially in these uh, really tough situations, um, is, is lucky. So I don't know what, what you had to add there, Chris, but that was, that was one that I felt like was, should be fairly obvious to us in emergency care, EMS, pre-hospital medicine. We see, we see that life is short every day. That shouldn't be one that takes a whole lot of effort for us to, to really work into our, uh, you know, mental, uh, mantras to, you know, try to keep us uh, resilient and fulfilled. How do you, how do you, how do you see that one or how have you seen that one in your, your progression through your career? Yeah. I, you would think that, right. You would think, you know what, we see bad things happen to good people. We see unfortunate stuff. We see, uh, a lot of things that say, why did this happen or survivor's guilt, right? Uh, how come I, you know, I was supposed to be on shift today and I didn't, I wasn't. And they had a really bad call. Like, why did I get out of that? And there's all these whys, whys, whys. And, and you're exactly right. And it really comes down to your point about perspective. Um, and I'm not sure that I'm always great at this. I really get in the weeds. I think of looking forward. I'm a list person. You know, if it's 10 o'clock in the morning, I haven't made my list yet. I'll probably write all the things I did from 6 a.m. to 10, just so that I have the uh, great feeling of crossing them off my list. Right. So. Uh, perspective means that when I wake up every day, I'm like, here's all the things I have to do. Here's what I need to get done next week. Here's what I have to uh, tackle. I'm really overwhelmed with all this, this, this. And yet when I look back at my life, there isn't a time. I don't say, oh, you know what? Last year, July 8th, that was the best day of my life because I crossed so many things off my list. In fact, it was the day that I crossed the most off my list and I'm awesome. That, that never happens, right? So I'm not sure why we put so much on the things we have to do versus uh, living life in the present. And I think that your point is true is that life is short. And so while it's not anarchy, I mean, if I had 30 days to live, would I work? Or would I just travel and be a loose cannon? Probably a loose cannon. But yet, that only lasts for 30 days and then I still need to pay mortgage and that. So there's these realities in life, but I do think it's perspective and it's one that says what, and we're going to get into this a little bit later of like, okay, if life is short, how do we remember that so that we are, we're all terminal, right? And so if we're all terminal, how do we live our best life today? Not knowing when it's going to end yesterday. And I do think that that is an actionable choice we'll have to make. Realistically, that's a perfect lead into number two, thinking about the fact that we're, we're all terminal, right? And that the second one, I, I, have, I have youngest children, 12, 14, and 16 at home. So we uh, were around for the frozen craze. And this one is, is definitely a, a, a quote from Elsa, I believe. If I, if I missed which uh, princess sang Let It Go, I apologize to the listeners out there. I heard that song so many times it it uh, burns my my tympanic membranes. But realistically, we have to in emergency 
medical care, any MS, we have to let go of perfectionism. Perfectionism is a recipe for anxiety, stress, and everything that comes with anxiety and stress. Why is that? Why? Because we operate in an arena where we make hundreds, hundreds of thousands of decisions every single, you know, day, week, month, shift, um, and to walk around and try to reach 1,000% accuracy, you know, 1,000 out of 1,000, never making any mistakes, it's just, it's not a reasonable expectation, you know? If you think about it from a batting average standpoint, if you're a baseball fan, it's playoff times out there right now when we're recording this. You know, if you get a hit a third of the time in the major leagues, you're headed to the Hall of Fame, right? In our, in our world, you can't be right a third of the time or you're going to be looking for another job. But realistically, batting 999 is Hall of Fame worthy, I feel like. And, you know... If you're operating under that standpoint, then you'll make 100 mistakes for every 100,000 decisions. And that's not unreasonable as long as, you know, we're not talking about apathy, just realistic expectation and accept that you're going to make those mistakes and the important and or, or but in that decision, the, the, the separator there is that we have to, when we make those, make efforts towards prevention in the future because we're all going to make them. If you've if you've worked in EMS, if you worked in emergency medicine, you've made mistakes or you're not looking closely enough with insight. So, you know, while we are terminal, uh, we can't operate under the assumption that we're never going to mess up, right? We've got to be able to let it go and move on to the next decision, move on to the next, you know, stressful situation and not let the one before it and the one before that and the one before that drive us nuts because we weren't perfect. Um I don't know if you're a perfectionist or not. This is talking about things that maybe you're not the best at. This is one for me that I've had to really work on, and that is being reasonable with myself about the expect expectations that I have for myself. If you're too hard on yourself and you don't give yourself a break, it can just really wear your wear your soul out from, from a sleep standpoint, from an anxiety standpoint, affects relationships with your coworkers, with your family, with your kids. Um, this is one that can be really damaging if you don't figure out a happy medium and how to, how to manage it. And it can be, you know, it can be meditation. It can be exercise. Uh, it can be, you know, for me, I've found that active, um, active education and, and efforts at remediating, you know, clinical areas of weakness and spots where I've made mistake and kind of personal improvement are ways that allow me to accept those mistakes and, and move towards, you know, trying to be better when, when I make them. And that sort of relieves the anxiety in a sense. How, how do you, how do you approach the, the paradigm of, yes, we want to not mess up, but we're going to, and how, how do you accept that and deal with it in, in, in your career and your uh, path through three MS? I think, I think you used the word perfectionism, uh, which uh, does define me. I, I'd actually say that I'm a recovering perfectionist, uh, but somehow in there, I've, uh, I've done this, uh, I've had this innate ability to be drawn to other perfectionists, as well as uh, raise kids who turn out to be perfectionists. And that's a big weight to carry. And it's unfair to carry it as a human, like you said, because we're not perfect, right? And, um, you know, the truth is, we can stress and we can be anxious and we have two choices. We can stress about the things that we can't change or we can stress about the things we can. And in either scenario, 
it doesn't make sense from a logical standpoint to stress about the things that we can't change because we can't change them. And it doesn't make sense from a logical standpoint to stress on the things we can change. If we can change them, we should just be focusing on changing that perspective. Um, and, but you also said something else that I really liked, and that is uh, learning and educating and always working through this. And I think one of the disservices in EMS that we've done is do QA and case reviews poorly. And sure, if I have all the information, all the labs, all the focus, everything to my uh, out laid out for me, and then I want to review my case, if I had 100% of the information at the beginning, that would be fantastic. But the truth is emergency medicine, whether in the emergency department or pre-hospitally, you get X, you know, you get some information and you make the best decision then, and then you get the next set of information and then you have the opportunity to change. And so uh, one advice I would give out there is that when we're looking at QA or looking at EMS, we, uh, A, we're very, very sensitive about our peers. We do not want to look like we're inferior to each other. And more importantly, we are perfectionists and we want to do things the right way. We didn't wake up trying to provide subpar care. And so one of my thoughts is that when we're doing case studies is that you actually start at the beginning and you only give as much information as that crew got at that time. And then and, and then they're going through the same differential diagnosis, like, well, wow, this could be 10 things. All right, there's probably four things. All right, these are three. And they may or may not end up at the same conclusion. And I think that learning, learning, learning. Um, I was once told that, I, that when I was a brand new paramedic, if every single day you read one thing about one of the cases that you went on, to learn something more or ask one question about one of the cases to learn something more and you just do it for one of them you know you do that a couple of times a week times a couple of years times many years that's a lot of knowledge that you end up adding to your repertoire to be a better clinician yes that's uh, excellent advice the uh, law of incremental change is is powerful over time right we don't you know uh, skyscrapers are built with single bricks and it can be daunting to look at 50 stories and say how 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 they get there but they got there brick, brick by brick and that's uh you know uh, not always easy and some days we're tired and we don't feel like going home and reading or we don't feel like you know working towards personal improvement but that that's the way you get there is it's little by little and if you know if you read one thing after each shift every day then you've you know and in, in 3 years of of work you've went through a thousand topics, you know, and that's, that's how, that's how clinical expertise comes about. So moving on from life is short, uh, letting it go and working through perfectionism. Uh, the third bullet point on the list was one that is really probably out of all of these easy, the easier said than done one. And that is be grateful. Um, and that is, that's tough, right? That's tough because we have our own lives. We have our own uh, stressors. We have, you know, social, family, financial obligations that creep in all the time. Uh, but we get the opportunity to care for sick folks on their worst days, their worst nights, their worst situations. And we're the ones that show up. And in some sense, we should be thankful that we get that opportunity. You know, I, I use I use my brother as an example um, because I'm super proud of him and probably closer to him than anyone else on the earth. Um, 
but we talk about what we do and he, he works in construction sales and, and is uber successful and excellent at what he does. Uh, but oftentimes, you know, when we're talking about what we do, you know, there's a, there's a stark contrast between, between caring for others and, and, uh, you know, running a brickyard as far as the personal interaction and the personal fulfillment, um, that can exist there. And really the, the intimacy of that, the relationships that we, we get to have with other folks. And, you know, oftentimes we hear things like, you know, all I do is push paper. I wish my job had meaning or purpose. And, you know, every interaction that we have really can be an attempt at, at meaning and purpose if we, if we frame it the right way mentally. And that doesn't mean that, you know, that we don't have difficult patients. And that doesn't mean that sometimes people are, are not unkind to us and, and we don't have to, you know, deal with, you know, unsavory interactions. That, that's, that's part of it. But again, looking back at number one and life, life being short, if this job is nothing else in, in emergency care, um, it's a heaping dose of perspective. And, and we get to be the ones that show up in those tough situations and we get to be the one that provide expertise. And in some sense, we should, we should really try to frame that and be grateful for that as, as hard as that is sometimes. How do you approach that? I mean, on those days when you really don't want to go to work and you don't want to deal with people and you don't want, you know, the barking dogs and the screaming family members and all the negative that can go along with what we do. How do you, how do you turn that back around and, and, uh, and frame that into, uh, I'm lucky to get to do what I do. Cause it's, again, I think probably on the list, the most easier said than done one. Yeah. And it's a powerful one. There's, per, there's perspective again, that's probably a common theme through this. And, you know, when you look through one lens, you know, man, Look at all these things. It's like a grind and nothing lets up. And I just can't get, you know, catch a break. I, you know, you've heard that or why me? Um, and it's also uh, the slippery slope of comparing ourselves. I have a colleague who's a helicopter pilot, right? Great job. Everybody thinks he's great. Uh, he's amazing looking. He's strong and fit. He has a beautiful wife and beautiful kids. He's super, super nice and very smart. And I'm like, well, listen, and, and then the worst part, he actually is from South Africa. And so he's got a, a cool accent. And I'm like, listen, if you just had one of those, that would be fine. You could be good looking or strong or have a great family that's super sweet and nice and beautiful, or you can fly helicopters. But do you have to have all these things? It seems unfair to me that you get all of that. And yet, uh, I'm telling you that story because he, uh, every few months, he would just delete his Instagram account because as he was just sliding through and listen, he was flying helicopters in Montana, fly fishing and camping. And like, and he, he said, I would just see myself while I'm on shift. If we're not working, scrolling through, scrolling through and looking how everybody else's life is great and what I should be doing. Why am I not where I should be? And, you know, he was comparing himself. I'm like, wow, in my mind, I feel like you're building your future of where you want to go and you're doing all these great things. And in his mind, that comparing uh, made him not be grateful for what he had. And so he would actually leave social media. And that's that's probably one option uh, at our home. Uh, and this is all my wife. I can't take any for credit for this. But we are uh, uh, we have two choices. We can just scream from one side of the house to the other side. Hey, dinner, that kind of thing or text. So we actually text each other while we're in the home for communication. And uh, my wife implemented when the kids got to about junior high, high school, whenever they got their phones, 
it was mandated that we had to text three things we're grateful for every night when we went to bed. No choice. And at first you're like, I can't even think of three things. Like, what are the biggest things? But you start doing it and it becomes easier and easier. And you also start noticing that it's less about all these great things that I, I have a job. Many people don't have a job. You know, it's not always that big. It's, hey, actually went to the store and there's nobody in the line. How great was that? That's like, you don't ever have that. And you start being grateful on all these little things, which add up to a lot. And so we mandated that our kid, all four of us, uh, my daughter, my son, my wife and I, before I went to bed, we had to uh, literally text three things we're grateful for. And my wife and my daughter and then two of my wife's friends, they still do that to this day. That's excellent. I'm also going to go back to the the comparison uh, bit that you talked about, your South African handsome with an accent, uh, beautiful family helicopter pilot. I'm, I'm already jealous. Uh, I'm going to steal a bit from if anybody out there listens to other medical podcasts, I'll plug one of my other favorites and that's, uh, Rob Orman and stimulus. And, uh, recently they've had several episodes where he's quoted, uh, Teddy Roosevelt, uh, comparison is the thief of joy. And I love that. I think it's 100% true. And it's, it's everyone. It's, it's, you know, it's hard to see outside yourself and, you know, it's easy for you and I to look at a handsome, wonderful family helicopter pilot in Montana to say, man, that, that guy's got it good. Uh, but we all have the same uh, inner struggle with, with being thankful for what we have and looking at others, and, and especially in the age of social media, when folks can curate an entire false facade, right? They pick the best parts and leave out the, the dirty struggles that we all have, right? No one's as perfect as their Instagram page or their, you know, Twitter profile or their, you know, Facebook page, or, you know, I guess it's TikTok now for the, for the youngsters out there. I'm not really sure, but no one's as perfect as they present themselves on social media. So I, I can't agree with that quote anymore. And again, that's Teddy Roosevelt and a hundred, you know, and 20 some years old or 110 years old, however old that is, you know, that had no idea what social media was going to bring, but it holds true, you know, 100% today. And that is, you know, comparison is the thief of joy. We need to look in inward at ourselves and not look at others. And that, again, that's, that's a tough one. And it rolls us into the fourth bullet point, And that is really, you are your thoughts, you know, you need to control your thought intake and your thought output. You know, it's, it's not terribly different than you are what you eat. You know, if you, if you take in trashy thoughts, that's what you consume, then that's what that's what you're, that's the kind of thoughts that you're going to put out. Um, so again, a little bit easier said than done, but do yourself a favor and consume healthy thoughts. You know, look for podcasts, look for, look for books, look for friends, uh, companions that are positive. Uh, if you surround yourself, especially talking about social media, um, it's uber easy to curate negativity. It's easier said than done to, consume positivity. Negativity sells. Uh, we know that. That's what the uh, big social media giants thrive on, right? That's what Facebook and, and Twitter and Instagram and the nightly news, Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, they th thrive on negativity. So in the social media age, it takes effort to curate your input towards positivity. Being negative is, is tiring. Uh, it's addictive. 
And worst of all, especially, you know, in the medical setting, whether it's on the truck or in the emergency department or somewhere in between, we've all had those colleagues that bring that contagious negativity into, into work and it brings everybody down. Uh, I don't know how, you know, it's always hard to, to go to that person and be like, Hey, you're being, you're being negative and it's rubbing off on all of us. It, it can be tough to confront folks and maybe just being straightforward like that is the best way to deal with it. Uh, how do you, I, I'm sure like, like me, you've had those negative contagious folks in your, in your workspace, uh, you know, on your, on your helicopter, in your, you know, in your truck in the past, Chris, how do you, how do you deal with those folks? How do you prevent yourself from being that person and, and falling into that negative trap? Uh, well, we do have a lot of, I think we gravitate um, a certain pers- persona in emergency medicine and we can tend to be sarcastic or dark. Um, and then you add that to slow. Uh, when, when, when we're running back-to-back calls and things are going crazy and it's busy, I actually see less of that, but yet when it's a, a, clo- a slower shift or you're assigned to a truck that has slower call volume, you, you can you actually see that more of the negativity. There's two things to that. One is I, I'm not sure I can change other people's perception or outlook or say, hey, smile, turn that frown upside down and that they'll always do it. But I can choose to do that for myself, right? So one thing is that negativity is contagious and then positivity is contagious as well and say, hey, I wanna be the person I'm walking in that everybody wants to high five and hang out because they're fun, they wanna do stuff. That is uh, super contagious. And then I think if there's an opportunity to mentor, be mentored and then mentor others, I. I believe that's a great spot where you can have those conversations like, hey, you're a dynamic personality. In fact, when you walk into the room or when you're on shift, people look to you. So when you're having a bad day, they have a bad day. When you are walking through stuff and you're spouting off negativity, they're taking that and times it by 10. And many times people just do not realize that they have that effect on others in their life. And when they just realize that and it's you're giving them the responsibility to lead and mentor others, hopefully, and they, they, they tend to change um, or not, and maybe they're not the right fit, but there is that side of it. And um, man, staying healthy, being nice to others. There's all these forgiving easily and not holding grudges, forgiving yourself easily and not holding grudges. All those focus on you know changing your thoughts. Agree. I think, you know, some of these really intertwine when you go back to perfectionism, perfectionism and forgiving yourself that these definitely tie together. Uh, when you think about controlling the things that we can control, um, you know, that really brings us into the next one. And that, that's serenity now or, you know, the serenity prayer. If, if you're, uh, you know, at all familiar, familiar with that listeners, uh, it's really one that is, is someone who doesn't necessarily uh, pray a ton as is, uh, the, the serenity prayer is one that whether you're a religious person or a spiritual person or, uh, neither or some combination of the two, this is one that in my mind applies to everyone, regardless of, of faith or religion or any of those, you know, other things. And that is, you know, recognize the things that we can control and controlling them and realizing the things we can't control and ignoring those. And that's really difficult for us to do individually. 
But the second part of, of what you were talking about being a mentor and being a positive change agent in your, in your own, you know, fishbowl, wherever you are, um, the, the second part of, of controlling the things you can control and ignoring the things that you can't is surrounding yourself with people who know the difference as well. And that really is going to be surrounding yourself with positive people, um, you know, in effect, right? And it doesn't mean you can't tackle hard problems, right? Some things, you know, controlling the things that you can, some of those things are, are difficult. Some of those things take hard work, you know, it doesn't mean that it's all just opening a door and, you know, sliding a chair across the room and, you know, a quick two second fix. Hard problems can be hard. They can be complex. They can be time consuming. You know, you can have long timelines on, on difficult projects, but you have to be realistic, right? If you're going to take on a hard project, then take it on in small steps, small bites, um, you know, make your timeline realistic, you know, don't push yourself too hard, whether that's, I'm going to, you know, progress through, you know, the, the paramedic steps from basic on, on through to, you know, a critical care, uh, HEMS medic, or whether I'm going to, you know, branch off and go to, you know, nursing school, medical school, PA school, uh, whether I want to, you know, try to climb the ladder from an administrative standpoint, whether I want to, you know, start a business or whatever it may be, all those things can be really difficult, but they can be things that you can control as long as you're realistic. And if you decide to move forward, do it constructively, you know, make a plan and, and surround yourself with, again, people who know the difference in the things you can control and things that you can't. We've kind of touched on this one uh, a couple of times already, Chris. Do you have anything you want to add to the, to the serenity prayer? It's one I try to tell myself quite a bit. Again, easier said than done a lot of times. Well, I think this one, and you're going to, uh, you're moving into uh, the last point next, which is growth is key. And the serenity now, and then you're talking about having a plan and, and surrounding yourself with the right people and growth. And I think we talked about mentoring, but there's also, you know, asking a lot of questions, but also stopping to truly listen to the answers. Um, one of the things I'm not very good at, uh, but is super powerful for me is to be quiet, just sitting down and taking 20 or 30 minutes and like, what's going on? And even just writing all the notes that come down to my mind, you know, you're going to start saying, wow, there's a lot here and I can be better and I can work better and I can. Uh, so being quiet, writing regularly, you know, staying healthy. And one of those that encompasses all this, and it's really going to move into your, your, your final talking point here, growth is to prioritize you. And man, that's tough when we're uh, natural born care providers. But what's interesting is uh, you look at a brand new mom, um, lack of sleep, not focusing on me, very uh, uh, selfless. And yet from afar, you know, the mom's doing everything she can day and night nursing. I'm just talking the few hours, the few weeks, the few months, and then fast forward in those few months or even years, and they're exhausted and they're tired and they're barely giving 10% because they only their bucket has only 10% reserve in it. And outside, it's super easy to say, oh, you know, if you actually had a break and could sleep for six hours straight, your bucket would be at 30%, or if you could just take an hour or two to yourself. And it seems very selfish, but the truth is, if my bucket's not full 
and I'm not filled up, I can't give anything to anybody else. And it, it, it seems really intuitive, except that as care providers, we're the first to focus on other people. Or when somebody asks us for something, we say yes right away, or we go and do things with others. And um, keep, keeping your bucket full, you're going to be able to react better. When I say bucket full, well-rested, well-fed, um, focusing on making sure you're healthy and, and how you define health, like you said, from a spiritual side, a physical side, a mental side, there's a number of things in there. And focusing on you allows you to give that much more energy, time, and commitment to all the other things in life. It ties perfectly in, and growth is key, right? We can't, we can't grow ourselves if we don't water and feed and nourish ourselves. And we, we're not going to have anything left to give anyone else, just exactly like you said. Um, and that comes from a lot of the things that we've already talked about, learning from mistakes, right? Putting in uh, personal development, educational development time. That allows us to be, you know, yes, it may be selfish to say, uh, I'm going to go exercise or I'm going to study tonight. You know, I, I'm, I'm taking time for me. I should be doing X, Y, or Z. But on your next shift, you're going to be a better provider because you're stronger clinically or you're stronger mentally, you're stronger physically, I mean, you know, and that goes with consuming healthy input, whether that's, uh, you know, whether that's our news feed, our social media feed, the podcast that we decide to listen to, the folks that we decide to have conversations with, uh, the more the more healthy fertilizer we put on our own, you know, mental self, the, the better off we are. And, you know, taking control of the things that we can control and striving for a goal that that's uh, that's that's fulfilling. And that's something that will you know, feed us and allow us to be, you know, positive and, and, uh, active and, and a better provider on our next shift. Um, circling it back around to one that I actually, uh, skipped over real quickly just because it was, uh, we were, we tied really nicely into, to a couple. And that is, you know, when we, t we talk about personal growth and we, and we are, you know, whether we're talking about paramedics in, all most of our listeners out there, or me as an emergency physician, one of the things that always has been a struggle for me is that we exist in a fishbowl, right? People are looking in at us from every direction, whether it's um, on scene and it's family and our patients, and then we roll into the hospital and deliver to an emergency physician, or whether you're talking about the emergency physician that you deliver to and we're dealing with paramedics, and then we've got uh, you know, triage nurses and techs and radiology techs. And then we have to interact with the cardiologists and the neurosurgeons and the trauma surgeons, you know, in, in this situation, you know, we're never, we're always the expert and we're always asking the expert for help. And we've talked about that uh, before on the podcast about being in, you know, on our stupidity podcast, being in the presence of an expert, you know, and we always alternate between, being the expert to some extent, but we're never the final expert many times. And to me, that leads to imposter syndrome often. And that's really tough one. You never really feel like you're smart enough. You never feel like you're the, you're, you're the expert in the room, but you know, we're all imposters and that's one we just have to get over. Everyone you've ever talked to in your life knows more about some subject than you do. And we have skill sets, specific skill sets that only we as individuals have, and we need to own that and be proud of it. And, you know, not trying to say be stagnant, but again, comparing yourself to others, um, just like we talked about before, is, is, is the thief of joy. And I, I really feel like tying this into the end point, you know, ignoring the imposter syndrome uh, 
ties right into the key being growth, right? And not making it a, a stagnant situation, but, you know, being comfortable in who you are. But if you're actively trying to grow, then leads to more, more fulfillment. And that's an easy way to sort of scoot that imposter syndrome out of the way and say, yeah, you know, I'm, I may not be the expert that I want to be today, but I'm doing task A, task B, you know, whether that's working on a deck in your backyard, uh, whether that's working with your family to t- t- texting back and forth on things to be grateful for and being a better, you know, better father, better husband, better, you know, wife, spouse, partner, whatever it is, or whether that's work, working on a, a medical podcast that, you know, you're want to, want to improve on your vent management skills or, you know, whether you want to learn more about fluid resuscitation or whatever it may be. How do you attack imposter syndrome you know, do you feel like growth is the key there? Are there other ways that you've dealt with that in your in your career, Chris? Wrapping us up. Well, yeah, it's it's certainly growth is the key, uh, but it's not the only key. But it's it's this once once again, it's perspective, it's mindset. Um, but you're right, you know, paramedics and perfectionists, right? Those two words seem to go together. But yet, as you progress through medicine, you see that physicians say, you know what, let's get a second opinion. Well, why don't we do that and teach that uh, from the time you take a first aid class of like, hey, let's get a second opinion from somebody who might provide a different perspective. That's okay. Or you don't say, I am doing medicine. You say, we're practicing medicine. We're practicing to always get better. And the way for growth and to get better, there's a lot of them, right? Number one, probably push, push your limits and do something that's out of your comfort zone. Say yes to fears track those goals, travel. Uh, one of the best things I've done is I've traveled around the US and rode along with EMS services across the US. And I'm like, wow, I was just watching somebody present on ECG, ECG placement, right? I've been in EMS for 27 years now, ECG placement. And I'm like, there's a five minute YouTube video and there's still two or three things in there. I'm like, wow, there's the way that they think of it is so amazing. I'm gonna add that to mine. And I think to wrap it up on my end, one of the best things you can do for yourself is say no. I think we're a yes culture, but if you say no to all the good things in life, you'll actually have time for the great. And whether that great is taking care of you so you're at the best that you can be or taking care of your patients and being the best that you can be, especially as caregivers, I see us, it's not so difficult to say no to bad things in life. You know, if you said, go play soccer in the freeway while drinking poison. I can actually say no to that, but it's all the good things in life that I say yes to that actually take up all my time, my resources, my mind, uh, my energy. And then I don't actually looking back, feel like I did anything great. And so that's my final thing on growth is learning to say no to the good things in life. So you have time for the great. Excellent. That's a perfect perfect spot to, to wrap up. Just a few take-home points. Some of the ones that I, I wanted to send everyone off with as they're wrapping up today. And that is, you are what you think and you are who you're with. Uh, and those are things that you can control. So consume positive thoughts, consume positive interactions and, and positive influences. Feed your mind with healthy things. Accept mistakes with the requirement that you learn from them every time. That's growth. Don't compare share, right? Comparison is the thief of joy. Sharing in our successes, uh, sharing in our 
struggles, that's, that is, that, that's a positive relationship. And whenever that imposter syndrome creeps in, remember, you're an expert in EKG interpretation relative to Bill Gates, right? Relative to Steve Jobs, relative to, you know, uh, Jeff Bezos or whoever you want to insert there. So remember that you know more about your specific skill set than, than, than everyone that you walk up to on the street. So don't let that imposter syndrome creep in and, and drag you down. Uh, as always, it's awesome to have Chris on the show. Thanks for joining us, uh, Chris. We really appreciate your time. And uh, yeah, I'm always humbled, and this is such a great thing. Thanks, Casey. Excellent. And for all the listeners out there, as always, thanks for listening. If you have questions, concerns, ideas, email us at the podcast email, podcast at mchd-tx.org. Leave us a like or a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, thanks for listening. We'll talk to everyone again soon. This podcast was brought to you by the Montgomery County Hospital District, Texas. Production and editing by Andrew Adams. Questions or comments, which are always welcome, can be sent to podcast at mchd-tx.org. Make sure to subscribe above to keep updated to all our future casts. Music, copyright, Kevin McLeod, and Competech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0.